0: Have you seen the Netflix documentary, You Are What You Eat, about the Stanford Twin Nutrition Study? Or maybe you heard that eating Oreos was found to lower your cholesterol levels more than a statin. I invited a special guest on the podcast today to discuss these and more. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Perfect Metabolism Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Vance. I'm a nutritionist, yoga instructor, and author of the book, The Perfect Metabolism Plan. I've been focused on metabolism optimization for over a decade, and I'm here to tell you that contrary to popular opinion, it doesn't have to be all downhill after we hit 40. This podcast is general in nature, not medical advice, and for informational purposes only. Talk to your doctor if you have questions about how this information applies to you. So today on the podcast, I have a special guest, Dr. Kurt Perkins. This is actually my second time interviewing Dr. Kurt. The first was, I can't believe this, nine years ago for my metabolism summit. He was one of my favorite guests back then, partly because he's so, I don't know, good at explaining complex stuff in a way that anyone can understand it. He's a total straight shooter and he doesn't just give out advice, he lives it. And I asked him to send me a short bio to introduce him. And I think when you hear it, You'll understand why he's so likable. Dr. Kurt Perkins is the clinic director of Dr. Kurt's Place in Colorado Springs. He uses education, hyperbaric oxygen, chiropractic, and functional medicine to empower his clients to ultimately fire him because they don't need him anymore. (laughs) He's an avid self-experimenter and hopes to inspire his clients to quote-unquote be the research. He's been married for 15 years, has four boys, and just added a boxer puppy into the chaos. Dr. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Nine years. Wow. I know. I knew it was a while ago, but.
0: it just, it's flown by. Um, yeah. So before we get into this, I, first of all, I love that your goal is to do such a good job that your clients fire you.
1: Yeah, I think that's I don't know. I think it works with my strengths. Like I'm what I really like doing is figuring out a problem, creating a plan of action, and then letting the person run with it. Yeah. Like what I'm not really good at is kind of hand holding and things like that. So um now I've gotten better over the years or I have I'll employ other people to help me along in that process with that client, but I think ultimately, if the, like the healthcare system is going to change, then it's got to be from the root level, from the person level. There's no way it's going to be a policy level thing. So if I can get people so healthy, they don't need the healthcare system. That's how we'd shift and, and change the course of what healthcare is, has become.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's why we get along so well, because I'm exactly the same. I don't, I'm not the kind of nutritionist that's, that wants to have a client for three years and talk to them every week. And Probably would make a lot of money if I was, but I prefer to just kind of empower people and give them the tools they want and educate. And a lot of times, you know, by the time someone comes to you, they're they've seen about six different doctors, right? So they're pretty motivated and and want to work.
1: Yeah, I would say like that's that's I think why I get the results because like one, people have they've struggled for a long time. Like I'm working with chronic issues, not acute issues. Yeah. And so they've researched that and they've tried this and they've been to that doctor and you name it. And so they end up showing at my door, knowing a lot, which I actually love. They're like, hey, I read this on Google and I'm like, Great, let's talk about it. Where I would say most doctors they're intimidated by information that's found on Google. Yeah. So I don't I like I encourage and I want that person that that has done the research, like that they've they've done but I, think I can talk at their level. They can talk at my level where I struggle is someone's like, Oh, I don't really know what a carb is or a protein. Like just so I'm like, Oh man, like to go way back to basics and nutrition. Like yeah, that's where I struggle with people. Honestly.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it is good to own your health and to, you know, at least take a stab at trying to understand things before you go in and work with someone. You brought up something good. Um, you know, one of the reasons why people come to you is they have chronic issues, and and you know I think functional medicine deals with that so much better than conventional medicine. Can you kind of talk a little bit about why you chose the the functional medicine route?
1: Yeah, so I think I think functional medicine kind of chose me more, um, <laughs> and so it's kind of a long journey going back to to childhood. Like I was the sick kid, so. My oldest now was 12 in sixth grade. I've got a fourth grader, I've got a second grader, and I've got a four year old at home. And so (laughs) in fifth grade, I was, I think I was around like 115 pounds. So like I was an obese kid. And then that parlayed into like chronic ear infections, chronic strep, chronic bronchitis, you name it. And then down the road to like eczema and just all the immune system issues through college. And so, um, one i think the thing that stood out to me as a child was my mom was a nurse so whenever i had an ailment great she had whatever some sort of treatment she could bring antibiotics home she could bring a vaccine home she could bring whatever i needed so i always had the mindset of like okay you're sick you take this medicine you're good to go the other side of the equation was my dad was a pastor and it was always a very small church and it was always a very older population and i just remember hearing whatever prayer requests from these people like hey i have this condition happening or i have this procedure coming up or whatever i need prayer for it and then we'd have potlucks quite often and there'd be these little dixie cups filled with colorful looking capsules and tablets and all that and to me it looked like candy as a kid and i'm like why are these people getting candy and i don't and then someone's like well no those are their medications and so as i got older and older like i realized like hey those little 60 cups are getting fuller and fuller throughout the decade, there. Mm. Um, so, if medicine made me better, why aren't they making it them better? They must be getting the wrong medication. So, that kind of sparked interest in the healthcare field. And then, I don't know if it was like junior or senior in high school, like they make you take like some test and you're like, hey, you would be great at this career. And pharmacist came up as my like career choice. So, my Sweet, let's do that. So I went into undergrad with the aspirations of being a pharmacist to be in the healthcare, but also to uh, make sure those people that were getting the quote unquote wrong medications in my mind got the right one so then they could get better and the church family be happy and healthier. The problem was like my advisor, and it's not a problem now, like it's actually a blessing looking back, is she... Got a semester into it and I was meeting with her to go into the second semester and she's like, I don't really think you're cut out for this. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, she's like, I've seen kids like you. I don't think you're gonna make it into pharmacy school down the road. I'm like, okay, like (laughs) based on what? And like there's no explanation. So um kind of took it and maybe if she did give an explanation, I just wasn't paying attention after that. Like I took it more as a challenge and went home, looked at the course manual for the college I was at, and like, all right, what's what looks hard? in the sciences, but not her department. And I was like, ah, biochemistry, let's go that route. (laughs) Not for any love of sciences, but more out of spite of like, this lady says I can't do something. Well, let's make it eat eat my diploma in three and a half years and and go from there. Yeah. The issue was like, she retired the next semester and I've never seen her since, never (laughs) had like the satisfaction of like rubbing it in her face or whatever, but it got me down the path of again like hindsight looking at these small steps led to functional medicine where now I'm in the biochemistry department I have an advisor who had grants from the NIH we were sequencing genes of these bacteria because then we'd pass it to someone else and then they would make some medication to stop the replication of the bacteria the problem was or I guess not problem but like the f- variable was we had to make petri dishes and those dishes had to have the right nutrients and oxygen levels and temperature and cleanliness and you name it, the environment had to be pristine for those cells to grow, for that DNA to replicate in order for us to keep our experiments going. And so if I screwed up a dish, if I screwed up the environment, the lifestyle, so to speak, the cells didn't grow well. Hmm. And so I kind of had like, and this is before I even knew about like epigenetics and all that type of stuff, but I'm like, if I can change someone's or this bacteria's environment, like, can't we do it in lifestyle as well? So that kind of led me down the road of like, okay, what profession then, obviously not pharmacy, because I got off track there. I didn't want to go into like biotech research and pharmaceutical research. Like what's going to give me the best toolbox to work with someone's environment? And that kind of led me to chiropractic college. And so had never been knew nothing about it. I just applied, got in, I'm like, all right, go in that direction. And uh that gave me more tools in the toolbox. And now that gave me a ton of nutrition, gave me a ton of anatomy, gave me a ton of physiology, you name it. And then got out into the real world and started practicing like traditional chiropractic. And like, okay, like if I take these five people with the exact same low back issue, what three get amazing results one so-so and one not at all like what am i missing with these why aren't these people getting better Mm -hmm. and so you start like just asking better questions like okay why like what's what's this person's work life what's their nutrition what's and then you start diving into more lifestyle-based stuff i mean this is year nineteen. um like i'm just getting started like it's it's always fresh cause... you
0: and and it reminds me actually a lot of my story you know growing up I had a lot of chronic health stuff and I think it's true of a lot of people that go into kind of more of a natural health bend you know my dad is a doctor I never went into the doctor he just brought the stuff home similar to yeah. you and you know it's so interesting I always joke that God gave me my health problems because he knew I was so determined that I'd figure them out and loud that I would tell everybody about it. And here I am, you know, with a podcast. And so, yeah, I can totally relate to your story. And I think, you know, you're, you're doing, we all have our own journey. And sometimes things that seem devastating, like you getting rejected from the pharmacy school is actually a blessing, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, It's so interesting. I always love hearing stories. I think it really helps people to understand, um, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, So I want to kind of get into this, you are what you eat. Um, You know, it's a documentary that's on Netflix for people who haven't seen it. And I agree with kind of the premise of the study that the standard American diet is, sad SAD, Standard American Diet, and yeah. that, you know, one of the things they say is we can solve a lot of our health issues by rethinking what's at the end of our forks. I mean, I know that's a lot of what you do. Um I know that you've kind of analyzed this because again, you your your patients, your clients are coming into the office asking your opinion. So I'd love to hear what your take is. You know, I know that there's some good of the study. Maybe we could start there. What you think they did right?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think the whole, the title gets you, you are what you eat. And I think that's a huge thing. Our cells are made up of whatever essential fats, amino acids, glucose, like all those things. And so, um, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think the other really cool thing that is they use pairs of twins. And I think that's, that's always one of those things in nutritional research where, they're like, well, there could be genetic variations and things and how people respond. Right. Um, I think the other cool thing too is most of the time any nutritional research comes out, they're looking at like population studies and epidemiology. So this is where I think foods get blamed unfairly where, great, here's America. We're going to survey what Americans eat. So it could be eight things that they're eating all the time, but we're going to blame one of them as the problem for whatever and this is i think where meat gets the bad reputation of things I'm like well, why don't you blame the soda or blame the french fry or whatever that type of thing so with this study they took pairs of twins and then um for eight weeks one twin got a vegan diet and another twin got an omnivore diet and they got clean food both of them type of thing so i think that was a huge a huge thing that um, I hope more studies kind of mimic in that in that fashion. Um, and then they also included like lifestyle factors. They had like trainers, so they had exercise routines. They were tracking their food to a T, opposed to like, again, what most nutritional research is like. Hey, what did you eat four years ago? <laughs> and it's like, right? It, it's just ridiculous. So. Yeah. The way they did it, I think, was awesome from a premise. The, where again, it wasn't a surprise what the results were. Like, they're going to come out and be like, hey, plant based diets are better. But you have to look at who made the film, who is it funded by, all that type of stuff. And it's all vegan researchers. So, yeah. Um, I think watch it with entertainment purposes and kind of just, I don't know, watching people transform by, their lifestyle and and kind of take it as that opposed to now I have to go vegan or now I have to go plant-based cuz that's the way to do it type of thing.
0: Well, and a couple of things that really struck me and I know you you wrote about this in your analysis of it is first of all they sort of glossed over the fact that every single vegan lost muscle mass. I mean, and I honestly, my first episode of this podcast is about rebooting the metabolism, stopping dieting, you know, and one of the main things we need to do is focus on muscle mass. And we definitely do not want to lose it. Certainly not after we turn a certain age because it's much harder to put it back on. And so for the fact that they sort of didn't really, I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. It really is a big deal, isn't it?
1: Yeah. They, they glossed over that quickly because like, um, like you said, I think there's like eight pairs of twins, like seven of the vegan twins all lost muscle mass in this eight weeks. The one vegan twin that gained muscle, he gained like two pounds of muscle, which is pretty good in eight weeks. But his twin brother on the omnivore diet gained like seven pounds of muscle. Yeah. So it's like three times the amount. Um, But yeah, like for me, muscle mass is, it's the organ of longevity. It's your metabolic mojo. Like yeah, if if there's one structure to maintain, it's going to be your muscle mass. And so, um, I mean, that one guy proved you can do it on a vegan plant-based diet. But the other people, like, again, like, I think part of it too was, especially in, in like, the research, and I'm not in the research world, so I may sound stupid with this, but, like, you want to try to control some variables. So if you're comparing... One diet to the next, I would think you would at least want to have the exact same caloric intake as each one, which they didn't. Like the vegan people were eating like 200 calories less per day than the omnivore diet and a lot less protein. And so, yes, those vegan side of it lost weight, lipid markers came down, like insulin came down. But if they're losing muscle mass while doing it, that's not sustainable long-term that's starvation in my book so um I think that's where again take the results with some entertainment purposes and look at the good of like the intent behind it but whatever like be the research try try the eight weeks of vegan see how you do and try the eight weeks of the omnivore and the way they ate it and see how you do
0: yeah I love that phrase of yours be the research you know and I know that you're you do it yourself. I mean and and it it makes absolute sense. And I always say like, you know, cleanses and things like that. Take what you know, it's it's fine to do a three week cleanse or do a whole thirty or whatever and take what you enjoy and what you learn from that and what worked for your lifestyle and bring that forward, you know? As opposed to just oh, I'm gonna do this for three weeks and then go back to my old ways. That you know, obviously every time you do something and make some changes, you're gonna feel you know the things that make you feel better and improve your lifestyle bring them forward
1: yeah i think that's a like that's funny you say that because i have one of the questions i'm intake was like when's the last time you felt like really well or you felt great and like people will note it and then more and i'll like, ask like okay what were you doing during that time frame like oh i was doing this and this and this <laughs> And i'm like why aren't you doing that anymore <laughs> like it's just like if you felt awesome like why did you stop? Like I don't know. Maybe because I'm so adverse to pain. Like I want to keep feeling good indefinitely, or I wouldn't stop doing the things that I know that made me feel and function well.
0: Yeah, I and I think that a lot of times we just kind of don't always make that connection. And to have someone just point out that connection and go, "Hey, this is what you were doing," you know, and. It, you know it's amazing that we don't make the connection that gosh i feel terrible when i eat a pint of ice cream every night i wonder why <laughs> and then you know you make that connection it's i that's one of the reasons why i think a lot of times like food elimination diets are good like if you take you know if we're eating gluten every day and you have a gluten intolerance or something like that you may not notice it but you take it out for 3 weeks and then when you bring it back in it becomes very obvious and so that's you know that's another way to kind of become aware yeah Um, You had mentioned the thing about, you know, in this study, You Are What You Eat, about knowing who is kind of behind a lot of these studies. That's a big, you know, thing. I know that the producer who produced it also produced that film, The Game Changers, which was out in 2018. And every single time I had a men's week at the Golden Door, they were always asking me about that, The Game Changers. And it was a similar kind of premise. That one, I think, was more targeted at athletes and men.
1: Yeah, that was targeted athletes and men. And like, again, I think when you're looking at those athletes, none of them got to that top athletic performance on a vegan diet. They got to their performance, then went vegan. And then I would challenge you, go look at the athletes they were showcasing and look at their injury rate after going vegan. Mm. Like, especially like the Tennessee Titans, most of those guys were injured most of the season. Like Chris Paul, by the time he gets to the end of the season for basketball, he's usually injured in the playoffs. Like so it's just it like like Cam Newton, he went vegan and then his skills dropped off the dropped off and and no team wants him as quarterback anymore. So like, again, I'm not saying like you're going to lose your athletic ability going vegan, but there's again, figure out where it works for you. I'm sure there's some top level plant-based athletes out there, but you're seeing the people that switched to plant-based vegan now slowly coming back to incorporating meat again. Um, Like Robert Downey Jr. went vegan and now he's like, oh, nope, now I'm starting to add fish and eggs back in because it just wasn't working for me. And like, you'll hear, yeah, a lot of celebrities, like I think Miley Cyrus is like, tried vegan. No way that thing like destroyed me. I'm a meat eater. So it's just go ahead, try it. I think where it's successful for people is when they go from standard american diet to like an actual vegan not like a a grainitarian vegan where they're just eating junk food and so they're getting rid of a ton of processed food they're getting rid of yeah just empty calories and they have some dramatic results and improvement but I usually get them down the road five years and they're like, okay, I've been plant-based and now like, I just don't feel good anymore. Like what do we got to do to change?
0: Yeah. Well, and you, you hit the nail on the head there. You were saying they got rid of the processed food. They got rid of the junk stuff and it was more whole food. I mean, I think I don't care what you do. If you do that, you're going to have health benefits. So, um, yeah. And you're right. I mean, like looking back at the game changers, that was from 2018. It'd be interesting to know how many of those people still are vegan and how they're doing now. And that's why you need to do these things long term and follow up with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one of the things, you know, I don't know if you had anything more you wanted to mention on on um, you are what you eat. But um, I do want to talk about this Oreo cookie study. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things the the Stanford study was excited about was a reduction in cholesterol in the plant-based group. And, well, you can either do the vegan thing or you can eat a sleeve of Oreo cookies, apparently, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So 12 Oreo cookies a day for, I think it was like six weeks.
0: It's insane.
1: Um, Yeah, and uh, I think these are the kind of studies I like because it's one person. So Dr. I can't think of his last name, Norwich or something. But he's a Ph.D., about to be MD as well. Um but he's what what is called as a lean mass hyperresponder. Like this this dude is like 6-7% body fat. Wow. Eats a like a very strict ketogenic diet like at max 20 grams of carbs a day. Um and so his blood work routinely comes back at like LDL levels 350, 400, all that type of stuff. That's and wild. so i think part of his background uh, listened to an interview one time and he was like i increased my carbs a little bit and that brought my ldl cholesterol down so then he started kind of researching and and, and i don't know if he's the one that developed it or just kind of has seen it and now is bringing it to the forefront but this lipid energy hypothesis so basically if if you're going to take away a fuel source so say carbohydrates your body's going to adapt somehow and in his case and others too your liver's like i'm going to produce a ton more lipids to give you fuel to keep going and it wasn't this guy just sitting around like he's he's a pretty i don't know pretty decorated athlete like he does like he has like a push-up record i don't know what it was some crazy number like 400 plus push-ups like nonstop, like hmm. in one set, like not breaking at all. Um, so he's got the muscle endurance and the stamina and the strength and those types of things. So being whatever a one man thing, he's like I'm going to do, I, don't, yeah, I think it was like two or three weeks, goes in baseline LDL 380, added, like you said, what, 12, 12 Oreos a day. So I think that was an extra 100 grams of carbs per day. And then at the end of that three weeks, retested. And his LDL went from like 380 down to like 111 or something like that. That's
0: crazy.
1: And so then he stopped that, reset. I think it was like around a six-week, six- or eight-week time frame. um, Back to his normal ketogenic diet, low-carb, you name it. Baseline before the next part of it, I think his LDL was like at 420. And this, he went on um, a statin medication. It was like 20 milligrams of, I can't remember which one now, off the top of my head. But anyway, kind of an aggressive statin medication. And at the end of that time frame, I think it was six weeks, it brought it down into the 200. So in his case, by increasing carbohydrates, and again, in this case, Oreo, I think just to be sensational a little bit it brought his LDL way lower than a statin medication did. So for him, it was more to prove the point that LDL or cholesterol is not pathology. It's more physiology. Mm. And so you can alter it based on how you eat your stress levels, like you name it where look at it more as like a check engine light not even a check engine light, look at it more as like, okay, what's my body adapting to opposed to you see this on paper and now like your doctor freaks out, you're going to have a heart attack type of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things about functional medicine is, you know, like in conventional medicine, as long as you're quote unquote under a certain number, you're fine. But in functional medicine, you can actually be too low in cholesterol and the doctor would say, hey, you know, so yeah, I mean I think it's so interesting this idea that y- you had a really good article about just cholesterol in general. I mean, you know, most of the time if you go to the doctor and you're just barely out of range or above like I don't even know 200, they'll be like, "Well, let's put you on a statin."
1: Yeah, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing functional medicine has taught me is just to ask better questions. Like traditional is more Is something good, is something bad? Where in functional medicine, it's like, okay, what's the role of this? Does this mean it's physiology or does it mean it's pathology? And so with cholesterol, when you start like asking better questions about, like, hey, what's the role of it? Well, great. It's estrogen, it's progesterone, it's testosterone, it's cortisol, it's aldosterone, it's vitamin D, it's your brain, it's yourself. Like, there's so many structural um necessities for cholesterol you're like well why would i want to lower that and so then you start looking at other aspects like okay cholesterol being high in relation to these contexts of these other markers well it's just you just have a higher level like i wouldn't be concerned about it now Mm -hmm. if it's high and these other context levels are like through the roof too i'm like okay like i'm still not attacking cholesterol let's attack these other levels but that's probably why it's ridiculous or i don't know it looks bad or dangerous type of thing what? i've also seen it's a plumbing issue like oh. let's say the gallbladder is a little bit sluggish and like again someone changed their diet they're going higher fat lower carb naturally they're eating more more saturated fat more cholesterol but if their gallbladder is sluggish and they're not clearing it out enough it gets backed up so you take a blood test you're like man my cholesterol shot up like this diet is horrible for me. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. Like, again, let's put it in context of these other things. Hey, triglycerides have improved. Your liver enzymes have improved. Like A1C is like all these things have improved. So it's probably the sluggishness aspect of it. Either let's add some more fiber or support the gallbladder differently with some supplement type of thing and then retest. And there we go. Like it's not a a scary situation anymore. It's more of a like a physiology type thing.
0: Yeah. Well, one of my, you're so good at these little quotes that I love to um, use. And one of my favorite quotes of yours is the body doesn't do stupid. It's like the body is responding to its environment. It's it's responding to what it's, we're giving it. And like, for example, you'd brought up cholesterol and stress. I think a lot of people don't even have any clue that there's a relationship between the two.
1: No, and I think... um We've known about a while. Like I always refer like a lot of my clients to the studies like 1957 or 58, they took accountants from beginning of January to June. One one group was like corporate accountants. Another group is just regular tax accountants. And every two weeks they're taking their cholesterol levels. And so what do you think happens around January 30th for the corporate accountants? Well, their cholesterol skyrockets because there's a lot of like corporate deadlines, January 31st, and then both groups, april 14th like (laughs) april 15th is tax day what happens to both their cholesterol like both of them skyrocket and so it was it was pretty neat to see like okay when there's deadlines due in the accounting world you can see their their cholesterol rises as well as they they took um, blood clotting factors so blood got thicker during those high stress times too so translate that into i don't know if you're out hiking and a bear pops out your cholesterol is going to go up to produce cortisol, to raise blood sugars, to give you fuel to run away type of thing. And your blood's going to thicken because if that bear gets you, then you don't bleed out as quickly. So like symptoms are always an intelligent adaptation to buy you time to escape what's potentially going to eat your face off. (laughs) Like it's always there to give you the best chance of survival. The issue And again, this is where the chronic stuff comes into play is that we keep perpetuating into that protective side by our lifestyle, how we eat, how we move, how we think. And then we don't support in a way around it to keep up with that demand type of thing. So that's where like with clients, the the context of their symptoms always matters. Like say someone's going through a rough season, I'm going to ask like, hey, do you see an end in sight here? Like, well, yeah, like I have this deadline coming up in two months. Okay, great. Here would be expectations as we implement these things. Whereas like, no, this is going to be like a five-year battle I'm going through. Like, okay, like let's change expectations. Let's just try to keep up a demand at this point. Maybe we don't have these majorly profound improvements, but you're not tanking out and you're not like getting eaten by the bear, so to speak.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. If one of the things I was thinking of, um, about go to go back to this, you are what you eat study. Like if you could design a study like that, what would you like, for example, what would you want to put up against the vegans or how would you change it? What, what would you want to look at? Cause I'd be kind of curious about like a paleo diet or even carnivore. I know that there was a recent study that was in, uh, I think it was Harvard. Harvard done study that was published about the carnivore diet.
1: Yeah, like I think if someone's gonna like how do I say it, if they're gonna claim meat is bad, then they gotta measure against like only meat. So yeah. that's where I would design it, is because what they consider meat eating and then blame meat is again. This is another Harvard study where it was it was one of those whatever, they followed a population for so long and asked them what they ate four years ago and all that stuff, but they considered someone a meat eater if, let's say they had lasagna with meat <laughs> sauce. Like, okay, you're a meat eater. I'm like, well, what about the noodles and all that type of stuff? Or you had this giant plate of nachos with ground beef. Like you were in the meat eating group. Like- it's crazy. So if I were to design a true, like, vegan versus carnivore i would do it like that okay vegan you only get plants carnivore you only get animal products keep calories the same um and then yeah see where it goes from there
0: yeah that'd be a good study
1: no i think both groups would actually probably get results in terms of losing body fat um kind of cleaning up like insulin resistance, a lot of those things, what I would suspect going into it, the carnivores, again, would maintain or build muscle. The vegans would probably lose it.
0: Yeah. Now you've tried carnivore, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Um It was back, I, don't know if it was like, I think it was 2018.
0: Okay. So a while ago you were an early adopter then.
1: Yeah. Cause it was back like that summer, there was a, I just had a string of clients coming in that were like Crohn's, IBS, yep. digestive issues, yep. kind of like just these massive gut issues. And they all kept having this similar story of like, hey, I know I'm supposed to eat more fruits and veggies. Those things tear me apart and wreck me. The only thing that actually feels good is red meat. Mm. But they're like, I'm afraid to just overindulge because I don't want my cholesterol going up. I don't want inflammation, I don't want to get cancer, like so I'm like, great. I was already leaning more towards meat at that point anyway. Mm -hmm. So but I'd never done like complete carnivore. So I'm like, great, I'll be your guinea pig beginning of one, I think it was the August that year. I did this extensive like inflammatory markers, insulin markers, lipids, um particle, like all you name it. And it it started off like really favorable blood work. And then for that month, I did animal-based. So I did any meat. I did dairy. Um, I did eggs. But I didn't do any fruit, no veggie, no grain. Like, yeah, nothing with a plant in it. And then at the end of the month, redid, redid the blood work. Um, and again, came back favorable, even better in some of the inflammatory, some of the insulin markers, those types of things. Yes, my cholesterol went up. But it could have been that whole lipid energy hypothesis because I also lost body I think I, at the end of that month, I was down to like 7% body fat. Wow. So, um, but I felt awesome on it. Like you felt awesome. Really? Yes. I thought going into, it, I was expecting, cause I was going to be doing more dairy than I had been. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be some bloated and constipated and all that. Like none of it, like it it works well for me. Hmm. So I would say now I'm probably 80% animal-based. Wow. Um, Interesting. I, I still do fruit. Um, I still do potato. Like I think, and this is kind of like other self-experiment of like adding other carbs and starches back into my diet. And then veggies will do, but not a lot. Like, I don't know, probably like roasted cauliflower is the primary one or maybe like a side salad at dinner, like those types of things. But if it's served, I'll eat it, but I'm not seeking out veggies.
0: Interesting. Well, my, you know, a lot of what the carnivore people say is that plants are trying to kill you. Plants have these compounds in them that protect them from predators. And my philosophy with carnivore is it's true plants are trying to kill you and if you have gut issues or you have autoimmune predisposition maybe you're not healthy enough to handle these compounds and so therefore i mean i've talked to there was a guy i met at the golden door when i was working there who said yeah i i reversed my autoimmune disease with carnivore so you know i i think when i first heard about it i was like that's insane but as <laughs> I've, i'm talking to these people and meeting these people who feel better who've changed their lives on it for me i I I do well with plants. I've I, you know, I've always done, you know, I don't know if I could do carnivore, but I think it also has to do with what are your goals, what are your issues, what are your motivations. And again, I, you know, I've been around long enough to know that there is not one diet that works for everybody. And I think that's one of the issues with the carnivore or like the vegans or whatever is they think, well, this diet worked great for me, so everybody should be doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the fine thing too, like with the carnivore community, you'll, now you're seeing like offshoots of like, Hey, I do meat, but now I do meat and fruit or I do like, so like there's different variations of it now. It's not like this. Yeah. And so it just, it comes back to like what works for you. You're, you're looking the way you want to look, you're functioning the way you want to function, then run with it. Who cares? Like, like don't try to get it right or don't try to be right, get it right. And then I think, I think with nutrition, the big thing is like if something works for someone, so say like the plant-based community, they're like, Hey, vegan. Then the carnivores like they take it as I'm going to like, I'm trying to like think this out. It's, it's like, if, plant-based is going to be the best i'm going to live the longest healthiest therefore your diet is going to kill you and you're going to die prematurely so i think that's where the emotion of diet comes into it is Mm. if someone is eating counter to the way you're eating you're offended because you you perceive then your diet is going to make you die earlier type of thing so it's it's just a stupid Territory battle that doesn't need to happen. Like we're all gonna die. Like that, and I think that's the whole thing with be the research. And maybe it's because like I turned 45 this year. Like I listened to a lot of Stoic stuff. Like yeah, we're all gonna die, but like have fun while you still got some time to to do it. So that's where it's like be the research, find out what works for you, and then if it doesn't, adjust, pivot, and and find out what does.
0: Yeah. I think that's good advice. Um, so one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we were talking about, you know, this documentary on Netflix, and I wanted to ask you if you had any health kind of related documentaries that you do like that you think people should watch. My, one of my personal favorites is Food, Inc. that was released in 2018. And I just remember watching it for the, or no, it was 2008 actually. And I just felt like it was just absolutely just an eye opener kind of went behind the scenes of big ag and big food, um, you know, talking about how just this and that industrial. One has some
1: uh, roots here in Colorado Springs.
0: Oh, really? Haven't seen it in a while.
1: I think they show. I think it was the school district, one of the school districts here that they were, I, th- I believe it was that one or oh, the book cool. or whatever, but where it was, yeah, like how Pepsi or Coke was the one they see funding like the school lunches and all yeah. that
0: well stuff. and they fund all the dietetics conferences they're in all the in the hospitals I mean it's crazy how big food you know it's everywhere like that yep do you have any um documentaries that you like
1: um yeah there's lots of them but yeah. I, I think I think I always go back to super size me like probably uh, the, yeah. the OG that and is it's a good not one. because of the McDonald's or the junk. I think it's I think the points get missed of him walking into the healthcare system. So he hires whatever, he has an MD, knowing exactly what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. he's following him on his journey, making sure, like, okay, you're not gonna kill yourself. And so, whatever, he gets towards the end of it, and the guy's liver enzymes are all through the roof, and he's depressed, and is like no libido, like all that. And the doctor's like, okay, you have to stop doing this. Like you have to change your lifestyle. But like, it's only because he knew what Morgan Spurlock was doing as an experiment. Had Morgan walked into any other doctor in New York city, he would have walked out with eight prescriptions. None of them would have asked him, Hey, what are you eating? Like, do you walk? Like, like they not would (laughs) have, None of it, like lifestyle would have even been addressed. He would have come out with an antidepressant, a high blood pressure medication, Lipitor, Metformin, like he would have been on five medications instantaneously without any even thought of like lifestyle, nutrition, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's the message that gets missed in there that always just like baffles me.
0: Yeah. Because that's
1: standard American. Like that's what he was doing is what most Americans are doing. Yeah. And so we're not diseased, we're adapting. Like we're we're taking physiology to an extreme and calling it pathology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The body doesn't do stupid. The body's wise, right, Doctor Kurt, as you always say. I love it. Well, gosh, this you know, we're coming up here and coming up on fifty minutes here, so I just wanted to, you know. Turn it over to you if there's anything you wanted to just leave our listeners with. Um I'll give you the last couple of minutes here.
1: I don't know. Like I think I think the hard thing or or the biggest thing like clients battle is like, hey, I heard this over here yeah. and I heard this over there, and they're conflicting and it's like, what do I do? Yeah. And then they don't do anything. So like, I think that's the, I think that's why I like to be the research is, is such a message in my office is like one, like they both could be right, but if you do nothing, you're never going to get it right. So try one way, like I'm here to catch you if you fall type of thing. Um, if it's great and you're doing phenomenal, guess what? You don't need me anymore. But like, if it doesn't work, all right, we'll patch it back up. Let's go the other direction and then go from there. Now, most of my clients aren't to that point until towards the latter part. They're usually coming in like, I can't do anything. So we retest, plan of action, we got you going type of thing. But they get to a point now where they're like, hey, I want to try this. I'm like, let's do it. Like, so it's it's more, I want to encourage them to take that leap, to take that jump. And we're like, oh, if it doesn't work out, great. We can reset. We can regroup and figure out another way to do it type of thing opposed to that was bad for me i shouldn't do that again you're like no no no. maybe it's just it was too fast or too extreme or whatever it was type of thing like we can do this in in a different fashion
0: yeah yeah it's amazing i i do think that if you read the headlines i mean one day it's going to be two servings of red meat is going to kill you and then the next headline is well carnivore is going to save your i mean I call it nutrition confusion because I feel bad for, you know, a person that's just trying to understand. And we, I think we always have to keep in mind that these studies, a lot of times there may be someone that is behind the the funding. I mean, there have been in history, there's been studies that have been found in the basement of the researchers because they were buried on purpose. You know, so right. I think, you know, we have to kind of realize most of the headlines they want. Views, so they're going to have clickbait and all of that. So, but you know, for someone to have a partner like you in their health is really a true gift. Um, and so, you know, thank you for what you do for your patients And do you see people only in Colorado Springs or do you see people online? How, how does it work?
1: Yeah, we're seeing people virtually more now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like in person better, and I do like, I don't know. I, I'm not like a world guy. Like I like the local, local stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I would say just reach out and, and see what we can do in your area.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll put a link to your website in the show notes below. Um, Cause I know you also put out a really cool newsletter and so I'll make sure people can sign up for that and learn from me that way. But thank you so much, Dr. Kurt, for joining me today. And it was a lot it's as always it's fun talking with you and um i hope that this is the first of many times we get to hear from you on my podcast yeah
1: thanks for the invite let's enjoy
0: and thank you everyone for listening and joining me today make sure to subscribe so you do not miss a thing we've got some great stuff coming up and hopefully dr kurt another time and drop a comment below with